Hey everybody, it's Richard Harris and I am here again for another episode of the Surf and Sales podcast with my partner in crime, Scott Lease, um, who is wearing his operation t-shirt because it was his favorite game growing up as a kid until he became the actual patient in the game. Uh, <laughs> but that's a, that's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast. Um, more exciting than that though, is our guest today, someone, um, that we've all gotten to know, uh, if you follow folks on LinkedIn is Brandon Bornison. I hope I said Bornanson. Did I say that yeah, right? Bornanson, you got it. Bornanson, uh, from seamless AI. Uh, uh, Brandon, thanks for coming on the show. Oh man, I'm, I, I was just saying I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Um, you know, I used to pray for surf and then I just bought a surf boat and I could surf anytime I want. And I can't wait to have you. I, I can't wait to have you guys out to do some wake surfing. I, you know, right when it gets a little warm right now, it's cold in Ohio, but uh, can't wait to have you out. We'd love to do it. Uh, funny story, Scott, I don't even know if you know this, but at one point when Brandon was first getting started, maybe right, maybe seamless was uh, in stealth mode or um, maybe you'd just come out. I started seeing this guy, Brandon, and Brandon was constantly commenting on my stuff. And for some reason, Brandon was, and Brandon knows the story, but I just love to tell it to people. I was like, this kid is bugging me. Like, why is this kid bothering me? Like, who does he think he is? And I just decided to cool my jets and kind of go, well, you know, Richard, who do you think you are? Like, let's be honest. And, uh, and I just sat back and I watched and just over time, Brandon grew on me. And that's how I really got to know Brandon. Um, you know, I think I told Brandon that story of maybe a year or so ago. And he's like, really? And I was like, yeah, that, that's, that's how I remember Brandon. Yeah. So, well, well, uh, but I, ever I since then that. we've had, sorry, go ahead. No. Yeah. Ever since then, uh, go, go for it. No, I was just going to say like ever, I mean, and even before then, even before I told you that story, you know, we've been connected and we share ideas and tips and stuff like that. So, but it's always yeah. funny when I, how you get to know somebody in a social business way first and how our own preconceived notions can influence our thought when we really don't know this person at all. So, um, so anyway, so I'm glad I got to know you and, and it's fun to have you here. So, so welcome to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks man you, for having were me. Were you in on LinkedIn early, Brandon? You know, yeah, yeah. So I was on LinkedIn early because I was selling for IBM and Google and, and this, this will tie into like my, my background story, but like, uh, I paid all this money, roughly a million dollars for all these sales databases and I was held hostage by them. I want to blow my brains out because they had no digital marketers. So like I got 10, 20, $30 million quota. I have to sell to all the fortune 500 companies. And um, they literally had none of these digital marketers just because they were the only place that they were at were like on LinkedIn or on the website as the CMO or VP of digital. Most of the sales databases that you guys know of, like they focus on it people. Um, so the reason why I had to go kind of like all in on LinkedIn in 2004, five, six, seven, eight was because that was the only way I could find my ideal customers and, and go after my prospecting list. But, uh, yeah, the thing that Richard, so like when I was just starting out in social media, you know, I always thought Richard did some like badass content that I love to learn from. And then I remember like, I would always like, no matter what, if, if there was something that I just like didn't agree with or uh, want, like wanted to offer a different perspective, like I just comment without like really thinking it through sometimes. Um, but even if it causes uh, friction, right? Like even if I disagree wholeheartedly, I'll say like, I'll say, it, I'll try to say it respectfully. Like, I don't hate that opinion. I think all opinions are good. Um, and I just love hearing 
again, I've got another story on why do I love hearing from everyone's advice? Like, why do I want to hear from Scott's advice? You know, Richard's advice, Kyle's advice, you name it. But yeah, this is going to be awesome. I'm really excited to be here today. That's awesome. Tell us a little bit about <clears throat> Seamless so the audience knows, you know, what category you're playing in right now and what the deal cycle is like and price point. So they have content. Yeah around and, your, and, your you know i hate people that pitch products right like i, I want to tell stories that change people's lives because the only people in this world that are going to change the world for the better are salespeople, marketers and entrepreneurs and of course salespeople at the top of that list right but uh so seamless.ai we deliver the world's best sales leads we find anyone's emails cell phones and insights instantly using artificial intelligence when i used to sell for ibm and google uh i was held hostage by a bunch of sales databases and uh, had to do endless manual list building, endless manual CRM data entry, endless manual research that held me back from pitching and closing deals when that's all I wanted to spend my time on. So uh, I called all the engineers after I wrote a million dollar check for these databases, um, logged into the databases, you know, the like the slimy salespeople that will like say, hey, we've got this and then they sell it to you and you realize like they don't have shit. Um, so that's what happened to me and my team when I was at IBM and Google. And uh, then we just realized, you know what? You know, my engineers at Google built the search engine. My engineers at IBM built IBM Watson. Like, we'll just work with them and build our own search engine to find every person in the world that has the current title at the current company you need to sell to. And then we'll do what all salespeople do, which is like, you know, send an email to validate, uh, search all the social profiles to validate. Like, so we basically just used AI to research, validate, and verify everyone's contact info. So, uh, yeah, you could join for free. You know, feel free to go online yeah. right now, seamless.ai, join for free. And then, uh, that's the, the quick background on that. One of the things that I find really interesting about, about you and what you're doing, what you're building is that you're in Columbus, Ohio, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. Go Buckeyes. Yeah. And a hell, a hell yeah with that. Um, not a traditional hotspot necessarily for, you know, tech and startups and that kind of thing. What is it, what is it like being <clears throat> arguably um, one of the kind of pioneers and the founders, if you will, of the tech scene in a smaller market like that? Right. I would, I would imagine there's some responsibility that you feel that comes along with that. Like I, I gotta be successful here because I want Columbus to grow in scope and become, you know, the next epic, whatever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, it, it, my dad was always told that he would be a failure and not successful. When I went to high school, grade school, I was told that my whole life, um, when I went to you know college, not so much because I launched a few companies that did really well, but like, you know, then when I pitched, I pitched 337 venture capitalists to fundraise for Seamless.ai. They all told me go fuck off. 337 you know, no's. Literally, so so luckily I closed 45. But it, so I pitched 337 venture capitalists that are in my Salesforce CRM, tagged as VCs, VCs and angels. Like you're talking like the best of the best from. Anderson Horowitz to Peter Thiel down to Guy Kawasaki down to Amazon's fund, like every single VC out there in the world I've met with and pitched. And they all told me uh, 40, you know, 337 minus 45, whatever that is, like 290 out of the, the 337 told me jump off a bridge. And like they said, you're not smart enough. Your team's not smart enough. You're not located in the right city. You, you didn't go to MIT, Harvard, Yale, and get the computer science background. Everyone just told me that we were going to fail. We would never make it. And like, 
my whole life, that's like what I've been told, right? You got to become a doctor and accountant to, to do well in life. Uh, you don't have good grades. You'll never be successful. And it, I just find it just complete bullshit. Like if you have the mindset that you can accomplish anything that you want to do in this world, you can make it happen. And that's why I do what I do because I've always been the guy that was the underdog that no one believed in. And then like, I just wouldn't listen to him. And I would just try to work really, really hard to find the answers and then go make it happen. So like building a company on your shoulder, you use the chip on your shoulder. I, I think like it started out, like I have to prove it to these people that, that I'm going to make it. But then it became like, I'm on a mission now to positively impact a billion people. I'm on a mission to help the only people that are going to change this world for the better are salespeople, marketers, and entrepreneurs. And we all know it starts with salespeople at the top of the pyramid. That's the only, the only way companies live and die is because of sales or no sales. And uh, I'm just here to maximize their sales potential. And um, the, the reason why I bring up that story was because all the VCs, they told me like, you being in Ohio, you will fail. And uh, it's just awesome. The reason why we're here in Ohio is like, we see a competitive advantage. It's the 14th largest city. Um, we've got so much cheap talent, like cheaper talent compared to the Bay. Like I could hire an SDR for 30 or 40 K, you know, however much it is out, out by you guys, 70, a hundred yeah. AEs I could hire for 50, 60, 70. And they're badasses once they go through our training program. So um, we see it as a competitive advantage. You could get anywhere. You could do anything, but like wherever you're at, any salesperson, marketer, entrepreneur listening, like don't let location hold you back from accomplishing anything in life. It's, uh, if you have the mindset that you can do anything anywhere you're at, you will be able to do anything anywhere you're at. Yeah. I, I think that, oh, you're not in the Valley or you're not in New York kind of mindset. <clears throat> while, while it's very prevalent in those markets, I think it's starting to die off just a little bit. You know, I, I think places like Salt Lake City, uh, Austin, where I'm at, Atlanta, you know, Nashville, even. Denver's happening. Sort of, yeah, yeah. Some of these sort of, you know, second tier kind of markets. Now even the second tier markets are growing so large that they're almost hitting this saturation or, 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 point, or point where the cost savings are maybe not as great as they used to be. So now you go down to, you know, Columbus, for example, or other college towns. So I, I think it's going to happen more and more and more. It only takes, you know, one or two people or one or two companies to do really well in an area. And the scene kind of starts. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to build a billion dollar company and then I'm going to fund like startups in the Midwest, which I'm really excited about. Uh, you know, you've got Slack, you've got Zoom right now. Like the, the whole Valley, the VCs, they believe like, oh, you got to be here because your competitive advantage is you'll be able to get funding easier. You'll be able to get talent easier. And I'm, I don't disagree with really smart people like Peter Thiel. Um, I, but I think that there are other competitive advantages yeah, besides- Even Peter left. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> Peter yeah. left. Now, granted, he left for social reasons, which I totally respect and understand, right? Um, but- you know, it's, it's interesting to, to hear and see that because I think, you know, Steve Richard talks a lot about this. Um, you know, you fish where the fish are, right? You don't expect the fish to come to you. And I think we're starting to see that shift in that turn because the fish are the talent, right? And college towns have the talent and particularly folks in the Midwest and even in the South, you know, people, they like to sort of go and explore New York, Chicago, San Francisco, Atlanta, whatever, but then they often want to come back home, be close to family, right? And we're starting to yeah. see that more and more. Um, you know, 
I'm Gen X, so I never wanted to go back to Georgia. In fact, I, I have a two-state buffer rule between me and the nearest family member. Like no one's allowed to live within two states. That's a smart rule. I need to, I need to get that rule. My, my sister has violated it lately, but that's, you know, it's, you know, it's my rule. It's not theirs. So, um, so I think in these towns, particularly like in Ohio and Columbus, where the Ohio State University is, Ann Arbor, where Michigan is, you know, Madison, where Wisconsin is, you know, those towns are vibrant enough without the college, um, but enhanced because of the college. And there's enough draw to have people stay there. And to your point, it makes economic sense to hire there. That's where the fish are. And yet, yeah. look, last I checked, you know, calculus is calculus at MIT and the Ohio University. Like it, it doesn't get any smarter right. or harder just because of the city you learned it in. Right. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to do with Harvard or Stanford. It has to do with the ability of the person. And that sort of democratization of the talent is what we're starting to see. Right. And I think Austin was the first place that really started to happen outside Silicon Valley, followed by these other places. So I, I think you're on the right path. And I, I you know, if they don't want to come to Columbus, Ohio, so be it. That's, that's their own lazy, laziness. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, <clears throat> you know, it all, it all started for me. Like, by the way, do you guys care if, you know, if I tell a, a quick story about how I got started in sales as well? Go for it. No. We love the origin story. Yeah. So uh, this, this is wild. And, and I, I want to say this just again to like kind of just show people and talk to people like, and just break down any limiting beliefs that everyone's got, like that they're not good enough in sales development or AE to become the next thing. You know, whether it's you're an AE, you want to become a sales director, sales director, want to become a VP, SDR, want to go into AE, you name it. Like, uh, you know, I came from a very poor family. My mom worked at a grocery store and a bank, my no college degree. My dad did construction on the weekends and then he sold computers in a store called Maycom, which is Macy's, no college degree. Could you imagine going to Macy's and like, yeah, I want to, I want to get a suit. And then I, I also need a Apple II computer. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just so wild. So uh, luckily, you know, my father was selling these Apple II computers and a sales executive at this small startup called Computer Associates at the time ends up walking up to him, buying an Apple computer and he was so impressed with my father. He's like, hey, you got to come work for me in my sales uh, apprentice program at Computer Associates in Ilandia, New York. And my, my father's like, what's the pay and, and what is it? And he's like, well, this is like software and it's going to revolutionize. This is in like 1985, by the way. Um, there was no like SaaS, like traditional SaaS. It was all like new age shit. Um, and my dad was making 30 grand and the guy offered him a $22,000 sales apprenticeship to join this like first ever SaaS company and uh, ended up going home, talked to my mom and uh, he ended up taking the job, even though it was a pay cut. And I never saw my dad for like 10 years of my life. You know, uh, Sunday through Friday, he was in Islandia, New York. And we were, we were super poor. Like as a kid, this, this fucked me up a little bit. As a kid, like, you know, we were, we were so poor that like my mom would buy all my clothes from garage sales, which, uh, you know, but like, I don't have a problem with, but you know, when you're a small kid that's in like an extra large t-shirt and you're wearing like these kind of sketchy clothes, you get made fun of a lot in, in grade school. And then like, we always ate can like canned food and it was real shitty canned food. Like canned food is really unhealthy for you. 
And, uh, you know, so I put on weight and I had all these, these shitty clothes and I got made fun of a lot. Um, but luckily for me, my father took that sales job and my mom was like, yeah, I think the internet, you know, like I think this new age stuff is going to change the world. And over the next 10 years, my, my father went from sales apprenticeship, 22 K to like their inside sales program. Then the next year, you know, and he made like, they had different, they had president's club for each type of role. It wasn't like now where like AEs only get to go to president's club. It was yeah. like every division got to go and do president's club. So they like, had their own. Yeah. Sales apprenticeship, he, he made President's Club first year. Then he became inside sales, made President's Club. Then he became an AE, made President's Club. Then he became a director, made President's Club. Then he became the VP of sales to manage nearly a thousand salespeople to build the first billion dollar software company in the world, 1987. And they ended up going public. It was CA Technologies, first company to do a billion dollars in software sales. And why I tell that story and why I like to highlight it is because like, I got to see, you know, both my parents, no college degree, go from super poor to super wealthy. And I, I, you know, they didn't get wealthy. I wish it happened earlier because it didn't happen to me until I was like 14, 15, 16, 17, where I, every three years, we kept moving to a bigger house and a bigger house and a bigger house because of sales, because of software sales. And um, I remember my father, he said like, he was never around, but when he was around, like, he was either just, he kept telling me, you got to work your ass off. Three things. You got to work your ass off in sales. Number two, you have to leverage every single second you have to, to pitch people. And then what I saw him doing in the evenings, like he always spent time like going through the yellow books, building these lists, getting these leads, you know, done at Bradstreet, I think it just hit the market. Like it was all about like, you got to be selling. And when you're not selling, you got to be building the lists. And then um, when I went to, I flew in like 15 years old. He took me to his president's club in Hawaii. This is the big epiphany with, with selling. So I fly in 15 or 16. I don't remember the exact age. I flew into Hawaii. We get into the room and, um, you know, you look across the room and there's, it's like the Grammys. Everyone's in tuxes, like thousand dollar tuxes and, and beautiful blue. The women are in beautiful dresses and everyone's dressed to the nine. Like they're on an award show. And I remember my father taps me on the shoulder and he's like, Hey, he's like, look at Jerry, 1.2 million. Look at Jeff, 1.6 million. Look at Sarah, 675,000. Look at Peter, 280,000. He's like, you will never, there were like 250 people in this room in Hawaii. He's like, you will never be in another room with more six and seven figure earners in your life. And that's when I had this big aha moment, the light bulb went off. And I'm like, why are all my teachers telling me I got to become an accountant? I got to become a lawyer. I got to become a doctor to be successful. I was like, I just went from super poor to super rich. Like my family did. In a couple of years. Um, because of sales. 10 years, like our lives completely changed yeah. from, from, from $22,000 to, you know, my father, he, he never got to make as much as I made, which is awesome. But, um, you know, making half a million a year, um, like, and, and a shitload of stock options um, in, in the deal when CA went public. So, you know, he ended up becoming a millionaire and, and whatnot, but I got to see our lives change. And what was cool about that is like, you know, it's just awesome to see sales is the greatest profession in the world. And you could do anything, even if you don't even have, like, you could have no college degree and take the first company to do a billion dollars in sales and, and go yeah. public. Yeah. Um, 
And that's when, after that, I, I knew I had to go into sales and uh, I went to the only college that had three things, which again, typically like my PR, my publicist tells me not to say this shit, but I, I don't listen to the, any, the publicist. <laughs> They're like, you know, so, so I wanted to go to this school because I knew I wanted to go into sales and they had a sales school and it was ranked the number one party school in the US by a, by a, a popular magazine at the time. And then um, number three was they had the top business school in my state. So I ended up going to OU and then um, my sales background was just around, I got lucky. You know, I, I did um, 10 million my freshman, sophomore, junior year because I, I found a product in what I love to do. And um, I loved playing online poker. I was addicted to poker. All my friends and everyone I knew were addicted to poker. So when I went into OU, I, I built a, a list of all the poker companies and I started cold calling party poker, full tilt poker, poker stars. All these companies, I'm cold calling them. And I'm like, man, if they just pay me like $250 per person that I sign up, then I'll be rich. And I'll sign up like 10 people. So then I cold call. I cold called the affiliate manager. And like these people are like overseas, right? They're not even in the US. So like I had to figure out how to get a Skype number to cold call these companies that are like- And did they do that? Did they say Gilbertra. yes? So I cold called them. And, and the one guy was uh, Mohit. Uh, Mohit was one of the managers. So I cold called him. I got, finally got connected. I pitched him and I'm like, Hey, I've got like thousands of people that are ready to sign up. They're in my network. They will listen to me. I need to, I want to sell for you and you pay me a commission. And they laughed at me and they're like, no, they, they're like, fuck no. But then they're like, instead of giving you, we won't give you $250, but I'll give you a hundred dollars and we'll give you a commission bonus. If you hit 10, if you hit 50, if you hit a hundred. So, uh, so then I ended up, I'm like, okay, what's the fastest way to uh, get a hold of all these people? I was like twofold one, like knock on dorm room to dorm room. And then two, Oh, you, they had these dorm uh, directories. You, you know what I mean? Like, um, like, I, I don't know, like when you went to college, they list all the students, like, cause there were no social networks, like didn't really exist for, yeah. for colleges. So I remember building a crawler that scraped. And luckily this was when they had the name, the email and the phone number of the people like, Oh, you didn't hide that on the dorm directory. So I remember building scrapers and getting all the contacts of all the people in the dorms. So, and I just did it twofold. I did this mass blast where I'm like, I'm going to give you free. It was called free 50 now, free 50 now.com. And I was like, I'm going to give you free $50 to sign up for party poker, full tilt poker, poker search right now. I get $100 in commission. I make 50 net on the deal. So I built this massive list with my scraper, put together a badass email, blasted it out. And, uh, and I got like a thousand people to join. So I hit like all the multipliers. Um, and I had to manually meet with these people to like put them in the thing, in the system, because like I had to use their credit card and I had to give them cash. So like I met with all these people on campus one-to-one, -one, like trying to process getting them upgraded on full-time poker, poker stores, whatever. Anyways, first year we do a million in sales. Second year we do 3 million in sales. Third year we do 6 million in sales. We did about 10 million. Um, I was definitely the richest kid in school because of that venture. But then 2007, President Bush makes it illegal to gamble online. Everything pauses, freezes, it's over. And I'm like, fuck. Like, and I was an idiot, 18, 19, 20. You, wait, uh, you waste all your money? So, so yeah, I was a dumbass.
Um, I, I bought a Mercedes hardtop two-door convertible that you could be at a light, have the hardtop go down to impress the ladies, and then the light turns green and then drive off. Um, I bought a four-door Mercedes convertible. I bought a crotch rocket. I bought property in Florida. This was, by the way, right before the real estate crash. Um, and then I paid off my college. That was the only smart thing I did. Thank God I paid off my college in cash. And, uh, and then, you know, so what happens is uh, I'm a junior in college. They make online gambling illegal. Everyone knows me as like the, the entourage entrepreneur that just like made all this money and pays for anything. So I, I got a little egotistical, right? Because when you, anyone that has that success that early, like you think you're the shit, you know everything. And that was one of the greatest learning lessons. So I launched a second company called InMobile, junior year in college. My partners now in Seamless were my partners 10 years ago at OU for the poker and the InMobile journey, which is another wild story. So Jake and all these guys, we launched. I'm like, text message marketing. This is flip phones. Flip phones are going to be the future. I was like, this is before iPhone came out. I'm like, text message marketing is going to revolutionize the world just like Facebook revolutionized the world. I also launched, so I launched this in mobile text message marketing company. I also launched a social network that lost to Facebook and we got destroyed, wasted like a million dollars trying to build collegedemand.com, which was a social network for college kids. Facebook did, crushed me on that. So I'm like, I'm going all in on uh, text message marketing. So we launched this company. We try to build the software. We do pretty well at building the software, but I knew nothing about B2B sales. And like, I, I didn't know how to build a, like build your, pick a niche, build your contact list, how to sell to the B2B contacts and companies. And we were selling a $50,000, $100,000 software. You just had, had nobody, no examples of somebody doing that? Didn't, I mean, your dad, your dad sold software, right? What weren't yeah. wasn't available as a resource? I don't know if it was ego or if it was just lack of knowledge. Like, I have no idea. I was just so focused on trying to work on the startup that I, I didn't think to like, you know, I didn't, I didn't try to listen to anyone's advice. I was like, we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. Like I tried to figure out how to sell it. We couldn't. And I kept failing year after year. My team. I think, and I, I, think, I think a lot of people, you know, even now get this sense of like, I got to figure this out on my own. If I just, if I just grind and work hard enough. Yeah. Hours, hours, hours. Out. Days, days, days like there's almost a sense of pride like i did this all on my own mm -hmm. when perhaps you could have paused for a minute and been like man who do i know who you know has done this before is really good at that maybe i should give them a call maybe i should you know study some of the things that that they study read what, what they read these kind of these kind of things you so know it's a, bit, it's a bit of a different kind of era though that there wasn't the there wasn't as many blogs. There wasn't as many publications. There wasn't LinkedIn. There wasn't as many resources. Richard and I have talked about this, you know, a few times before. Is like exactly. I didn't you know, have access to all to this stuff. To what to do? Like it wasn't cool to write about your expertise because it would you come know, off back in the day as egotistical. Yeah. And 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 I think there wasn't the same sort of like open source kind of mindset. Like if you figured out what worked, like you weren't sharing that shit. You were keeping it way right. close to the chest, right, Richard? Quiet. You were keeping it quiet, and you also you also didn't share your failures. Sharing your failures meant you were a failure. Yeah, you yeah, didn't yeah. learn from those.
Yeah, it was like one thousand percent, and that was a major mind shift for me about five years ago. I realized like I'm just going to tell my story, and people can learn from like how how many people can I impact by telling all the shit that I went through. I want to. So, um, I want to change change gears on you for a second, mm-hmm. and I want to talk a little bit about your show and your and your podcast. Is you've had some 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 pretty big guests and done some pretty big interviews. And one of them recently from the, from an outsider looking in, like you got a little bit of hot water, a little bit of backlash, I, I thought. And I, I found it interesting. You, you had a conversation with the wolf. You had a conversation mm-hmm. with Jordan Belfort, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, there were, I saw comments like, why are we giving this guy a platform to talk and all these things? And, you know, I, I personally was like, I want to hear what this guy has to say. I want to hear all those kind of stories. I want to hear... You know, does he think and operate the same way now as, as he did then? There's a ton of interesting things to gather from that. But I, I was I was a little bit surprised by, you know, not hate, that's too strong of a word, but like people sort of saying, Brandon, why did you talk to this guy? Yeah. So I wanna know I wanna know a couple things. Like, number one, what how are you going about trying to get some of the, you know, biggest and baddest people like onto your show? Like you guys who are on the show? <laughs> no, definitely, not, definitely not us right um, but i want to i, I want to know that because i i think i think yeah. there's good lessons there for the audience to learn you know you're 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 batting above your average on, on some level like i'm going to go after you know this person who might seem impossible to get and you're connecting with them and getting them to come and talk yeah. to you so i just I interviewed tom bellu in front of five thousand people which was wild this there you go so I, I, would, I would love for you to share how you get you know, what your strategy is to get some of those folks. Yep. And then I want to, I want to hear from you. Like why, why did you feel like, you know, Jordan's story in particular was, was a good one to, you know, bring to your audience and, and share. Yeah. And, and this goes, this goes to uh, wh- like, j- just to loop back around, like uh, why I was telling the immobile story, my second company. So I lost millions um, and I lost everything that I made with the first company. And I, I, and, and I literally got to the point where that was during the dot-com, the, the, not the dot-com, the financial crisis with the housing market. So the housing market blows up. My family basically loses everything. My mom gets Alzheimer's. I, so I'm 22, three years into this startup. My, the, the economy is collapsing. You've, Every, gone, you've gone from the bottom to the top and now back down to the bottom. So now, yeah, I went from the bottom to the top, back down to the bottom. So I'm like, we're on year three. I'm running, I ran out of cash. I'm $100,000 in debt. I'm trying to ask my dad and family for money. My mom's got Alzheimer's. My dad is fully leveraged because of the real estate crash. He's got no money. Um, and, and basically, I, we had to shut down the company. And um, we had to shut down the company. We lost everything we made. And I remember like I, there was a point where I had to steal food to eat out of the, the fucking shared office fridge that we had 10,000 square foot feet of space at. And I just remember like crying and I'm like sitting there and I'm like, how am I such a failure? Like I used to be so successful. And I just like literally to the point where like, you want to almost kill yourself. Right. And, um, you know, I was like, dude, I'm shutting it down. I'm out. I'm never going to do sales. I'm never going to do entrepreneurship again. So then we, we literally sell the company to a publicly traded company. And I had to be a part part of that aqua hire jake my partners were still in college whatever but but when we shut down the company essentially i look back 
And I'm like, what the fuck did I do? Like, how does the smartest kid in college become a complete failure? And I look back and I was like, okay, number one, now, now looking back, I'm like, I didn't have the list of the people that I need to sell to, number one. Number two, I didn't listen to anything that anyone said. Yeah. I thought I was smarter, better, like more creative than anyone in the world. Instead of going, like you said, Scott, call my dad, call the advisors. Like any, there's someone out there in the world Everyone has done what you want to do and you have to go out there and you have to find the experts and you have to pay them money, take out your credit card and pay them money to buy what you sell. Like everything I've done was because of the list and because of the training. So then when I finally had that epiphany and my, all my partners, they went and they sold for IBM Interactive and they told me to get out of mobile and go sell for IBM. So when I joined IBM, I was like, I need two things. Number one, the list. And we, you know, we cut a million dollar check for these databases and then number two training. So for the next shit, my whole life. So at uh, 23 to now, I literally read hundreds of sales books. I studied and obsessed over every salesperson marketer out there in the world. And by having the list and the training and by paying people that knew shit that I didn't know, my income kept doubling and doubling and doubling and doubling. Yeah, and, but Brandon. Um, okay, Brandon. I gotta stop key. you, man, because you're going. You're going on these roll. You're going on these rants. With, with a simple question. <laughs> the question was, how did you start to get the big list? How did you start to get people on your podcast? Like, I don't. Totally. I don't want to hear any more. I don't want to hear any more stories about. Yeah. So. Stuff. So, so I'm sorry the, to be a little direct, but like, you're rambling, dude. You're rambling. So, so the Wolf of Wall Street. Like, I, I want to interview and learn from everyone. Like, that's the whole point. If you want to grow as fast as humanly possible, if you want to multiply, if you want to 10X, 20X, 100X your potential, you have to learn from people that have had massive successes and massive failures. So the reason why The Wolf was on my hit list was obviously the movie. Uh, so how did you get, but how did you get the, like, how do you, would you call us publicist? And you just said, hey, my name's Brandon. No, I've got this dude, podcast. I, like, I just, how do you do that? I just used my software to get his contact info and then I called him and emailed him every day for a year. All right. Every day for that's, a year. That's, that's, what, like, that's what we want to hear. That's the yeah. story we want to hear. You so, know, so, so like, they, what was the cadence? Did you literally call him and email him 365 days in a row? So, so okay. So I and emailed him a bunch and then I reached out to, I, I knew he had a stepson that was involved in the business. So then I used my software and I prospected his stepson. Then I prospected people at his team. Then I prospected people um, on his, uh, like in his, that were managing his digital marketing and every, like not literally every day, but like every week I would just call and email them, call and email them. Hey, this is what we're doing. This is why we want to interview you. This is the value that we could deliver for you. This is what we want to learn your number one top sales secret. Like the guy did $50 billion in stock transactions and he managed 13,000 salespeople. So to me, I know he was, you know, the sell was, was shady penny stocks or whatever, but to sell $50 billion worth of stock is really hard to do. And, uh, to manage 13,000 people is really hard to do. So what, I was really excited. What made him finally say yes? What made him finally say yes? Do you know? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I just kept using different value propositions. Like, uh, one was like, I want to get you in the book and, and here's why. And I can't wait to tell your story. And then one was like, I want to get you on our LinkedIn and we've got a million 
plus views a month and that will maximize your brand. One was I want to get you to the B2B audience because no one really follows you in B2B. So I kept using different angles that I thought would deliver value to him trying to get into different audiences. I think that um, B2B, the B2B angle that, that you just mentioned was a really, a really smart one. I, and I, yeah. I, would, I would agree with that. I mean, he's almost, yeah, and, almost vilified in some, some way. Yep. The- and then every time like, I would get a, another guest or like a, a headliner, I would just email them. Hey, we just had boom, boom, boom on. I'd love to get you on. And then mm-hmm. you just, and I was like, the book's going to get published soon. And so I created the scarcity and this FOMO as well. So I kept building up the, the, the urgency and the, the like, uh, credibility and social proof with different badass headliners. Like the week before I had interviewed Ryan Searhan and I had interviewed Gary V and it's like, you know, you, you keep leveling up and then you use that as leverage. Um, but it was all around delivering value and getting him into the audience. What do you, what do you find interesting about, um, talking to these people, right? Like, you know, um, there, there's different levels of, for lack of a better phrase, LinkedIn fame, right? And, yeah. um, you know, whether it's, it's Keenan or um, uh, um, uh, Morgan Ingram or you or Scott or me, like, you know, we have a certain level of, you know, visibility. I wouldn't even call it fame. Um, but then you get to these people who have mega visibility, right? Legit celebrities, right? Do you find anything different about the conversations you're having with them? Or do you really find them to be, no, they're, they're, they're pretty much people like you and me. Um, what, what do you sort yeah. of think? I mean, you know, it's, it's funny. Like I, uh, I closed a, an investor who I didn't know was uh, Sergey Brandon and his wife because like I was in back-to-back calls and Guy Kawasaki wanted to invest in Seamless.ai who, who was a big mentor of mine when I was 18 as an entrepreneur. It was the first book I ever read, The Art of the Start. And um, like when I was pitching, he said like, hey, you have to go pitch uh, this one portfolio company. And like, I'm like, sure. I'm, this is when I was three people working out of my house, right? And I'm the only one pitching. So I'm in 15 demos a day, like 10 to 15 a day. And, um, you know, luckily I pitched them without doing any pre-research because I was in back-to-back and I was traveling. Brandon, I was okay, I'm going to stop you again. You're going enough. Like this is the first time I'm ever going to say it. Enough with the stories. Just okay. answer the question. <laughs> like I'm trying, to, like, I'm trying um, to like, the stories are interesting, but sometimes there's too many. Like, what do you find yeah. different or unique about talking to, to the so guy Kawasaki's to these I, different I like, I like, you know, I, I didn't even know who I was talking to and like, you know, Sergey Brennan and his wife, they're just normal people. These people are just normal people that have done really big things. They've just stuck to it longer and they've worked harder and they've been obsessed with finding the answer. So, you know, I, I think you just have to treat them like normal people that have just outpaced Is there other any, people. That, what does that I, mean, work harder? Like, you know, um, what, what was the company that just shut down? Uh, there was a big sales tech company, uh, Nudge or uh, Nova yeah, or Nudge. whatever. Nudge. Yeah. Okay. Like, dude, they raised 10, 20 million and they did 500K in ARR. Why, why did Seamless raise one twentieth of that? And, you know, we're valued at a hundred million. I'll tell you why. Because every day for seven days a week, I fucking work my ass off. I sell to everyone. I build an amazing product. I'm obsessed 24 seven working on building the product that can change the life of salespeople, marketers, and entrepreneurs. The only people that are going to change this world. Like that, that, that obsession. 
they have that same maniacal kind of focus, you think? That, Dude, that they're same. working nonstop. Anyone, that, anyone that's uber successful, billionaires, mega multimillionaires that tell you like they, they're doing it for freedom life, they're full of shit. The real people that are changing this world, they're working on it every hour, waking hour. That's what I've I wanted to hear. Them. Like, I love that. Yeah, no, that's, that's what I wanted to hear because I, I agree with you. There's, that's the piece I want to make sure people understand is that, you know, um, unless you're like Scott and you get into three or four companies and you get some options that hopefully when they pop, you know, then Scott can retire. Um, you're going to work your ass off. But I also know Scott, oh. when he gets into these companies, he does do this. He does go 24 seven. He does go hardcore and he does there, have that mentality. For a second so, there, I thought you were saying that I haven't worked for you you know, for the last 15 years. It's my, it's my backhanded compliment, my friend. Yeah. They have that obsession, but they're also, as you said, normal people. Is there anybody that you've talked to that? Mm, that's like, a dick. Well, I wasn't going to say that, but maybe, maybe, maybe that. Besides yeah. me. Besides Richard. But no, I, no, no. You're like, not a dick. The only thing I like to tell stories is because people could relate to stories really well versus anything else. Um, I want so, to know if you talk to somebody and you're like, this person is not even yeah. human. Like, this is a um, superhuman alien. Like, how, how are they the way they are? Okay. So, uh, you mean like good? Like a, in a good, in a good way. In a good, in a good way. You know what I mean? Ooh. Like, wow, this, okay. person, this person is actually not normal. They're extraordinary. That's what I so, when I met Gary Vaynerchuk, I thought for sure he would be cocky and he was the most humble down to earth every single minute. He was like all in on, on me and my question and what I was trying to do, which I loved. And um, I just couldn't, be I couldn't believe it. Like I couldn't believe how authentic and real he really is trying to help people. Um, Ryan Serhan, you know, this again is most recent, Ryan Serhan, the million dollar listing, number one of 86,000 brokers in New York, the number one largest real estate city in the, in the world um, or in the US. He, right when he walks in, he goes around the room and thanks us all one-to-one. -one. Like, thank you so much for coming, I'm Ryan. Thank you so much for coming, I'm Ryan. Thank you so much for coming, I'm Ryan. Um, and like they're in back-to-backs, right? So, so he doesn't even remember like what it's about. And I'm like, oh yeah, hey, so just a level set, this is the book, this is why we want to interview, we want to uncover all your sales secrets. And I, I loved how humble and authentic uh, Ryan was and appreciative, like a guy like that, who's worth a lot of money and doing a billion dollars a year in real estate, doesn't need to be nice and thankful and grateful. You could be egotistical and whatever. And he, he's the exact opposite. And I think a lot of the most successful people that make it big, like know how hard and how grateful you have to be every step of the way. And like the minute you become egotistical or you think you're smarter than anyone is the minute you lose that competitive advantage. Yeah. Yeah. That, was kind of, that was a dick. The exact opposite is Damon John Foob. Uh -oh. Like just, just much respect. No problem. <laughs> they like, you know, like I tried to interview Damon John and like, I was like, Hey Damon, I'm a huge fan. I literally wasn't because I was, I interviewed Gary V. Damon John was in the room with me. Like I went up to Damon John and they were like three bodyguards around. I'm like Damon shook his hand and I'm like, Damon, Hey, huge fan, man. Uh, quick question. I'd love to interview you on, you know, your number one top sales secret. What is it? And then like, he was like, he didn't want to answer it because you got to go through this guy and you got to pay that guy a hundred grand brand and that guy then has to work with this guy and you got to pay that guy a bunch of money it was all about the money all about the money which, all about the labor which yeah. like gary v could be like that but he's like yeah man, 
uh, what's your question? Shoot. You know, all these other people could be about the money and like, or like Damon could have been like, yeah, dude, I would love to share my top sales secret. Like who, who else can I positively impact in this world today? Yeah. You can, you can, you can still respond in a, in a polite, friendly way and, and then say, I just need you to talk to these people. I'd love to talk to you, but I need you to go through my, you know, go through There's the a process. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. like, you, we need a hundred grand before we even considered talking to you. And then we need rights, royalty rights on it. And we need this and that and that. And it's like, dude, um, yeah, you know, can't. Have you had a lot of people do that? Without no, naming, yeah. and I don't want you to go down a list of names, but like, there's, do you, there's as you, there's as you start punching at this weight level, yeah, as you start getting to this weight level, I can, I, I can, I can certainly respect the fact that, wait a minute, you want to interview me because of my brand. So therefore there's something, you know, financially in it for me. And, and to your point, we all need to be giving back, which is why I think I always sort of take calls or you and I'll talk offline or whatever, you know. Um, but do you see that happening a lot or, you, or just one other person you said? Yeah. Just, yeah. just one other person. I, I can't name their name. Um, okay. But, but you can. like, just give when, us their initials. When, when you're, when you're at that weight class, I, I don't know. Like I, I tell my team if I'm like, don't ever let me. And, and again, like I lost everything. Luckily I lost everything at a really young age because of uh, being egotistical and not having the list and all that jazz to where I'll never go back to that again. And I just know like, when, when you want to deliver, like the reason I work 18 hours, seven days a week, I could sell the company and be worth a hundred million right now. Literally like call up people. Hey, I'm out hundred million. And the reason why I, I don't care about the money, I don't like, I live in a $250,000 house. I drive a $30,000 Mercedes Benz. It's not about, I did the flashy bullshit, right? Like I did the shit for the money. And when you worry about a commission check, instead of changing people's lives, and positively impacting the world. You're just like, you may get that one short-term deal, but you will never make lifelong partnerships, friends, and money along the way. Like I'd rather make someone a ton of money and then I'm able to benefit from that by helping them than like worry about myself and this quick cut check. And I think when you worry about the purpose and the impact, like our mission has always been, we want to positively impact a billion people. And mainly salespeople, because those are the people that change the world. And and, I, um, I always, I, a, I always enjoy talking with you and listening to you talk because you've, <clears throat> you've lived this arc, uh, you, you know. And, and we don't often get to talk to people who've gone through, you know, the lowest low, the highest high, back down to the lowest low, and are on their way to the, the highest high, you know, once again. So I appreciate you as always spending some some time with us in the spirit of you know, always trying to be helpful. How, how can I help you? How can Richard help you? What are the things we can do to continue to, you know, try to be friends and, and advocates and allies and that kind of stuff? Yeah, man. Um, you know, obviously, you know, anyone that you talk to that needs to automate their list building, that needs a better way to find their ideal customers, fill their pipeline, automate prospecting, we'd love to get them on seamless.ai for free and try to help them connect to that one person. Like, I believe you're one list away from the life you want, the marriage you want, the family you want, the customers you want, the sales you want. And if you could just build that list away. as quickly as possible. Like, everything I've done in my life has been because of the list. My dad built a billion dollar company because of the list. My poker company was successful because I had the list. 
in mobile failed and I lost millions because I didn't have the list. IBM and Google, I bought a shady list and got screwed, but that empowered me to launch Seamless. Now we're helping 50,000 sales teams. Like you are just one list away from everything you want in this life. And you got to go, like the reason I'm able to connect with everyone that I connect with is because of the list and, you know, the sales process and the training. I'm just hoping my wife doesn't hear this and, and bring up the, t- the honeydew list. And then oh, yeah. Yeah. The list vote against me. And, yeah. and then yeah. number two is, dude, we got we to gotta use my wake surf boat. It, it, it hosts 15 people. So it, so- it sounds it's like- It's actually the only t- expensive toy I bought was so, the wake surf boat. So it sounds like there's an opportunity here for wake surf and sales in the summertime. Yeah, 100%. Columbus, Ohio. Every, every weekend- we ten, will do a mastermind. Ten people. Ten people tops. Ten people tops. I'll have two drivers, food catered. We, we do a three or 5K mastermind. You know, all you got to do is cover the hotel. We'll have food. We'll Eat. have the boat. Hidden, and you're good to go. Hidden Easter, hidden Easter egg in this particular podcast. Send Brandon, me, and Richard a group message on LinkedIn. Let us know why you want to come what you can bring to the table, what you can help educate us and support the group. And you'll be first in line to uh, hit up Wake Surf and Sales, Columbus, Ohio area. Yes, Wake Surf and Sales. And I, I think we should do like two days where one's about sale, like the sales mastermind, where you're at today, where you want to go. And then the, the second, like the day, the second day of surfing and selling, it should be all about like life. Like what is going on in your life that maybe yes. we have all learned from that we could share to take you from where you're at today, where you want to go tomorrow. There we go. Sounds like a blast, man. Thanks, Brandon, man. Really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Love everything you guys are doing and a huge fan. Thanks, man. Good luck with everything at Seamless, brother. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Cheers.